This is Software Engineering Radio, the podcast for professional developers, on the web at se-radio.net. SE Radio brings you relevant and detailed discussions of software engineering topics at least once a month. SE Radio is brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine, online at computer.org slash software. Flavio Junquiera, uh, thanks for coming on Software Engineering Radio. Yeah, sure. Nice to talk to you, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about Apache Zookeeper and um, I guess, some, you know, you could call it distributed coordination. So why don't we start off by talking about what is the purpose of Apache Zookeeper? What problems does it try to solve? This is, this is a very interesting question because Zookeeper is related to um, what I would say meta operations of, of a cluster. So you have a distributed application. Uh, it has a number of servers running your application. And there are a number of operations that you have to do that they're not necessarily related to the application directly, but you need you need to do them to get your cluster going. For example, uh, you might need to elect a master among a group of servers, and the, you know the end user is not gonna is not gonna know that there is a master. But you know for the application to run correctly, you need to elect that master. And so Zookeeper helps you with that those kinds of tasks. And when I say when I mention clusters. You can think of clusters or pretty large clusters, say hundreds of, or thousands of servers, trying to 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 do this kind of uh, of coordination. And it, although I use master election as a, as an example, there are many of these tasks that are sort of common when you're trying to implement a, a distributed application. You can think uh, of things like group membership. You want to know uh, which members of of your cluster are actually up. Right, so if you have hundreds of uh, of of, uh, of servers running, uh, it might be the case that a, a small fraction of those are, are not up at a given time. You'd you'd like to know who they are so that you can make assignments accordingly. Um, a, a pretty common use uh, of Zookeeper is also metadata management. Right, so you you need to store some metadata reliably. You need that metadata to be distributed across the cluster in a consistent manner, um, and so Zookeeper helps you with with all that. And so there's this there's this Airbnb tech talk that I watch uh, about Zookeeper, and it features Patrick Hunt, and I'll I'll put it in the show notes. But um, so he talks about Zookeeper, and he frames his discussion in terms of fallacies about distributed computing. And these sorts of fallacies that he listed were like, you know, you have a reliable network, there is zero latency, infinite bandwidth, uh, you have no problems with security, there's no changing network topology, and all these things are not actually true in in your typical distributed system. There's some kind of problem uh, that violates one of the fallacies that I just mentioned. So is it reasonable to look at Zookeeper as a patch for these fallacies, like a sort a way of sort of eliminating them so you don't have to think about them as much? The way I look at those fallacies is what developers end up doing in their code when they try to implement the tasks I was, I was mentioning before in a quick and dirty manner, right? So it's not that people actually make those assumptions that the network is reliable, there's zero latency and so on, but, but if, if it's not your main goal, right, to implement those tasks, if your task is to implement, I don't know, a crawler or, or a data store or something, 
odds are that you, you, you try to do this task like master election, group membership, and so on in, in a quick and dirty manner. And so you end up uh, simplifying your code and, and having the problems that those fallacies are actually alluding to. I prefer to look at Zookeeper not as a patch for those things, but more of a, of a structured and natural way to look at the problem. So it gives a way to developers to reason about these problems in a much more natural way, which leads to more robust implementations. So let's like kind of think about. Or I want. I kind of want to discuss it from from the point of view of the, of a typical user. So, for example, like let's say I'm I'm a user that has designed some application that is like you said that treats these issues these fallacies. As just non-existent, and and I, you know, let's say I built the, the way that I built my application was quick and dirty, and I wasn't really considering the fallacies. So, how am I going to start using Zookeeper to solve these problems? You know, I have this this collection of of distributed systems problems, and I want to sort of collect all of them in a single context or look at them through a single lens. And I, I guess that lens would be Zookeeper. So, how do I start using Zookeeper to manage those issues? across my application? There are two points for, for beginners, I would say. One is to look at the, the API. The API is, is actually very simple. The core API is very simple, has six calls, it allows you to, uh, to manipulate the small files that we call Zenodes. Uh, you, know, you create them, you can, you can read them, you can change their data. And once you're familiar with the API, which shouldn't take very long, it's again only six calls, it's good to go and look at recipes. So recipes are this way, uh, these ways of using the API to implement the various tasks that uh, that people care about. You know, so synchronization primitives like locks. Uh, if you're trying to do master election, there has been a number of implementations out there of of master election on top of uh, on top of Zookeeper. And so I think that this is a pretty good way of of going about it. So understanding the API, uh, or at least have a, a a cursory understanding of the API, and then go learn from uh, from the recipes. Because there is just a lot of experience out there. So let's say, for example, like I'm developing a game, and the game has shot up in popularity, and I wasn't prepared to scale, and I'm starting to scale now, and so it becomes this huge distributed problem. And I realize I want to use Zookeeper because I've heard of it as a solution. So could you maybe outline what a recipe would look like, or what what am I going to start? So I have you know Z nodes in Zookeeper. You know what am I going to start to be doing with those Z nodes? Yeah, so you can, for example, have metadata of a user stored in Zookeeper. In fact, for all your users, you can have, uh, say, one Z node containing their metadata. And the metadata could be uh, the profile of the user plus uh, the, the scores of, uh, of the user or the status of the user for a given game, you know, what level the user is at, at some point or how many points it has scored up to now. So that could be a, a way of doing this. Other things, uh, and to be very honest, I've never tried to apply Zookeeper directly to a game, so I'm coming up with this <laughs> on the fly. You could, you could, you could think of uh, of assigning uh, one server to uh, to handle one server in your application, not a Zookeeper server, right? So one one of your application servers to handle the traffic of a given user. So that could be the master for that user. Right. And, and, you know, if, if you want to make your game fault tolerant, uh, if the master for that user crashes, you don't want your, your user to be to be offline as a consequence of that crash. 
right? So you 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 want to go and allocate another another server to deal with uh, with that user, and that's where the the default tolerant uh, master election that Zookeeper provides uh, kicks in. And so, uh, and this is to you know just to get into a, a specific question: when you're putting data in these various nodes, and these nodes have to be consistent with one another, how is the data being propagated? from uh, Z node to Z node? Maybe this is a question that would be more appropriate for later in the conversation, but I mean, is it is it sort of like a like a gossip type protocol or how, how exactly does that work? No, it's, it's um, let me start by saying that uh, in a Zookeeper Ensemble, so Ensemble is, is the name we give to the group of servers that uh, that is serving a given Zookeeper instance. Right? So when you connect, you know, you're a client, of Zookeeper, right? So you have an application that uh, that binds to the to the client library, and and it connects to an instance of Zookeeper. That instance is well, it could be a standalone, but typically for production use, they have a, a replicated setting, and so that set of of replicas we call it an ensemble. So each of the servers in the in the ensemble contains a, a full copy of all the Z nodes that have been stored in that instance of of Zookeeper. So what we do is whenever you, you come and say, create the Z node, uh, what the service is going to do is it's going to, to propose that, uh, that, that we create, you know, that the ensemble creates that Z node. And in the case that, uh, that there is agreement on the creation of that Z node, then all servers are going to record it. And so all servers in a Zookeeper ensemble will contain a copy of that C node. Now, the specific protocol we use is not gossip. We use what we call a, a, an atomic broadcast protocol. So it provides uh, stronger guarantees. So it guarantees that um, all the updates that apply to those replicas, uh, they come in the same order. It does not guarantee, though, that they come at the same time, right? So we do not guarantee that they come at the same time. We only guarantee that they come in in the same order. And so all those replicas are going to apply those state updates. State updates being as a node being created, as a node being deleted, the, the data of as a node being changed. You know, so those are all state uh, updates, and so and so with this protocol, all those state updates are gonna are gonna be fed to all those servers in the same order. Sure. Okay. And so uh, I guess you know, zooming out a, l- a little and going back to the high level, let's talk a bit about what is and what isn't Zookeeper. So like I'm trying to like. Sort of go back and forth between uh, perspectives of people who are a little more familiar with distributed systems and maybe familiar with Zookeeper, and then people who are less familiar with it. And so, so maybe for the people who are less familiar, maybe we could put a little more of a definition on what is and what isn't Zookeeper. Like, is it a database? Is it a file system? Is it a key value store? How should a developer who comes into a new company and sees, okay, we've got this Zookeeper thing running? What like what am I supposed to think about this thing? So that's why we we sort of coined this this term uh, coordination service because it it shares properties with all the systems you mentioned like file systems, uh, key value stores, databases even. Uh, but but it's none of that. It's, it's again it shares it, ha- it shares similarities, but it doesn't. Uh, I don't think we can we can say that Zookeeper is any of those. So for example, if if I think of uh, of key value stores. Updates, you know, so you can think uh, of Z nodes in Zookeeper as a Z node has a path, and so you can you can look at that as a key, and the data of the Z node can be seen as as the value 
of, uh, for that key. But in a typical key value store, you don't, you don't try to order uh, updates across keys, or you don't even try to organize, uh, to provide a hierarchical uh, organization as we do with, with C nodes. And this hierarchy turns out to be, to be important because one of the calls that we have is, uh, is get children. Right? So you get the children of a Z node inside the hierarchy. And that turns out to be very important in many of the recipes that, uh, that, that we have. Uh, and so it, in the end, it shares properties with all those, those uh, classes of systems. But uh, I think it really deserves a, 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 you know, a name of its own or a class of its own. So a distributed coordination system is what, is what you would call it. Exactly. And in the case of Zookeeper, we also, we also call it a coordination kernel. Because in reality, Zookeeper does not expose any of the primitives themselves. It doesn't, you know, so if you look at the API, you're not going to see anything about master election. You're not going to see anything about locks. You're not going to see anything about group membership, right? It's, it's about what you can build on top of it, right? So the recipes are, are very important part of Zookeeper, but Zookeeper itself only provides the kernel that allows you to implement all that. So because those things are less exposed, things like leader election, does that make it, like once you start to, let's say you start to scale a system with Zookeeper and maybe you want to loosen certain requirements or, uh, or tighten certain requirements, are there, are there things that are sort of kept from the user because of the simple API that make it maybe more difficult to fine tune or, or, or perhaps to scale? Or is, or is that not really an issue? I think it's actually the other way around. I think the fact that we have an API that does not expose any of those primitives directly gives the, the, the developer more flexibility. One good example is, is master election. There are at least two different ways of implementing master election that has been used in, in, in across applications. Right, so if, if we were to implement master election in a given way, there would be a single way of doing it, right? And because we have this core API that uh, you can you can build your recipes with, you can think of different ways of doing uh, of of doing these tasks. Now, with respect to scalability, the scalability limitations of Zookeeper are actually related to the core protocol, which is fairly fundamental and. I believe any system that implements this kind of coordination would have the same limitations. But with respect to the, to the API, I think what we did in Zookeeper is actually a great thing because it gives flexibility into the implementation of, uh, of primitives. Okay, I understand. So you're saying that, that the, uh, the things that you do need to access in maybe the underlying API, or maybe beneath the API layer, they, they essentially are accessible, but it's just you have to get to them through the API. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about some specific use cases. What are some ways that you have seen Zookeeper deployed? So when you, when you refer to use cases, I, I can think of, uh, of the actual recipes that people have used. Like, uh, well, the examples I can think of with respect to recipes are master election, which is pretty popular, uh, group membership. Uh, metadata management and a lot of the synchronization primitives. Uh, I don't know, like locks or, or or barriers, or if you're just if you're, even if you're just trying to do conditional updates, 
right? So you have multiple clients trying to update the same Z node, and you want to make sure that uh, the Z nodes, the Z nodes, update in a consistent manner. Um, this is fairly abstract, right? So I'm, I'm just giving you sort of the tasks and the recipes that are, that people have implemented. Now, if if I go one one level up and think about the actual applications that have uses. Um, Two applications that are fairly popular and come to mind are uh, data stores like HBase and and Hadoop in both HDFS and, and Yarn. Uh, Zookeeper has been used for high availability. So, for example, for mass selection and for reliable for reliable store. So, okay, could you could you maybe um, provide like higher level? I mean, I I definitely understand um, what you're saying, but maybe you could provide a uh, a mapping from some recipes to maybe like business side use cases. Sure. So let's let's pick let, let's pick master election. Okay. So let's say that uh, um, you have a a master for your file system, like the name node in HDFS, right? Uh, let's say you want to elect a leader. The simplest way of uh, of electing a leader is to establish a the path for uh, for a master lock. Right. Let's call it a master lock. So you go to Zookeeper and say, create slash master lock. It doesn't have to have any data at this point, right? Create slash master lock. And uh, you could have many clients actually trying to do this, right? Uh, because Zookeeper, again, replicates right these rights, and all the replicas see this update in the same order, only one of those clients uh, will be able to create the Z node, right? So one is going to succeed in creating that Z node, right? And the one that gets okay becomes the master, and so he holds the master lock at that point. All the other ones will uh, won't be able to create. They will get a, a, an error message saying, you know, this this Z node already exists, and uh, and at that point they know that uh, they are not the leader, that they're not the masters, and so they have to uh, to follow the master or watch the master in the case the master goes away. But then the creation of the Z node is, is not enough to uh, to make your uh, um, your master election fault tolerant, right? The other thing you want to do is you you want to create that Z node which with the ephemeral flag. The ephemeral flag is a very is a very uh, very interesting feature of, uh, of of Zookeeper because it allows that Z node to be deleted in the case the client the client the client goes away. So if, say the client crashes. Zookeeper is going to determine that because the session of that client is going to expire and it's going to automatically delete that Z node. So all the other clients that were interested in becoming masters, they will be watching that Z node. And when it's deleted, they will know that it has been deleted. And so they will run another round of master election. Right. So I have done all that with a single Z node. And the features I have used again is uh, one API, which is to create the Z node. I created that Z node as an ephemeral Z node, and the other clients that are not masters, they use the get data Z node to watch the, the master lock, and they get a notification back when the master lock is deleted. That's one example of a task that you can implement uh, with Zookeeper, and it's fairly popular, and you can easily map that to a you know to a use case like the one I mentioned. You have the head of a of, of a file system uh, or of a data store like HBase. And you need to make that fault tolerant. Okay, that makes sense. And that that would be relevant on on any you know distributed database type of system, I guess. You know whether you're Facebook that's uh, you know making a database of billions of people or 
some online store that's making a database of all kinds of products and you need to keep the things consistent you know the uh you know you want one user to be seeing the same sorts of stuff that another user is seeing that was that was sort of what i meant by the um higher level business case but i i understand i think i understand the mapping so how big of a cluster do you typically see zookeeper deployed across how am i scaling my zookeeper cluster from 10 users to 1000 users to a million to a billion uh, how does that look? I have seen clusters with with thousands of uh, of clients They're talking to the same zookeeper ensemble uh, ensembles of of say five to seven servers. And the, the limitation there is mostly the amount of traffic you want to impose on, on on zookeeper, right? But the short answer is is that so you can you can have Clusters of uh, uh, of hundreds to thousands of uh, of clients connecting to a zookeeper ensemble of say five to, uh, to to seven zookeeper servers. That's a pretty typical case. And is is it accurate to say that zookeeper is strong for systems with lots of reads and fewer writes? Yes, yes, indeed. So writes, as I explained before, writes require to run this this atomic broadcast protocol which is essentially writing that state update to all replicas. Uh, in fact, we just need to wait for a quorum to respond, but we, we, do, we do send the write to, to everyone. But the reads are served locally, right? So if I, if I add more servers to, uh, to, to my ensemble, then I, I, I can definitely increase my read capacity. Not my write capacity, though. So it's, it's a system that is, is uh, highly targeted to, to read-dominated workloads. Although it does it does pretty well on uh, on 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 writes as well, I mean, we we can easily get these days twenty thousand writes per second with uh, with with the implementation we have. So it's not that the volume of of writes uh, has to be small; it's just that we cannot really scale it at this point. So if you go if you want to go from twenty thousand to say one hundred thousand and eventually to a million, then then there's no way in Zookeeper today to actually do this. But for the reads, it can increase as much as you want. So, and how big of a, a problem is this? Like, have there been users that have said, like, oh, we actually can't use Zookeeper because it doesn't let us write aggressively enough? Or do people end up using an alternative service if they, if they need some amount of writes like that? The, the interesting thing is that uh, most cases I have seen where people were requesting exactly what you said, you know, so I want to be able to scale, right, workloads. Zookeeper is actually not a good fit for that. So a good, you know, at a high level, a good use case for Zookeeper is one in which the rights to Zookeeper are not in the critical path of your application. So if everything that comes through your system, every change that comes through your system is written to Zookeeper, that's probably not the right thing to do. You probably need uh, some sort of data store, some key value store to, uh, to handle that kind of workload. Zookeeper is really for the meta operations I was, I was saying before, I was mentioning before. And so those operations, they so often what happens is you have one right to say some metadata element, right? So let's say that you have some metadata that uh, that uh, your cluster needs to know, right? So you you update that metadata, you know, update the value of those of those variables, and uh, by updating some Z node, right? But you expect all the servers in your cluster to read it. So that translates into one write and and say thousands of reads, right? Right. So this is a fair, uh, a fairly common use case 
for uh, for Zookeeper. Sure. Okay, so let's look at a little bit of history of Zookeeper. So Zookeeper began at Yahoo and eventually was moved to Apache as part of the Hadoop project. So I'd like to talk a bit about why Zookeeper was so important to Hadoop. That's that's a very interesting question. In fact, it was it wasn't important to Hadoop at the time. I think we ended up as a sub-project of Hadoop because the Hadoop community was was in general supportive of the project. And there was also this perception that uh, you know HDFS and Zookeeper were supposed to have a similar relation to, to GFS and Chubby. But Zookeeper at the time was not was not used by Hadoop at all. Oh, okay. So but eventually it's become an important part of the Hadoop, correct? Yeah, but only after uh, after we left, <laughs> after we became an, a, a top level project, uh, sometime later, it was uh, they started using it for uh, for uh, a name node HA, and today uh, you have Yarn as well, relying on Zookeeper. Okay, could you maybe give some color on the integration of that? Like, how is Zookeeper the best solution for that purpose of Hadoop? So it fits the use cases I, I mentioned before. So master election, storing metadata reliably. These are the things that uh, that they are looking for in the in this uh, in those use cases. And so Zookeeper is is in that ecosystem. It's it's a fairly stable project. You know, it's battle tested. So it's uh, it's it's definitely a good uh, a good element, a good component to uh, to being that role. Okay, that makes sense. Let's let's drill down a little bit into the. The different roles in a zookeeper implementation. So you have the roles of followers, leaders, well, a, a leader at least, clients, and observers. So let's talk about the, the abilities and the responsibilities for the roles. Sure. Let me start with clients. So clients uh, connect to a, to a single server at a time, right? So even if you have many uh, multiple replicas, even if you have replicas of the system, the client's going to connect to a single server at a time. So out of those servers, one is the leader, as you mentioned, and the others could be followers or observers. The leader processes all requests that change the state. So if, if a client submits a, uh, uh, you know, say a create Z node, that's going to go to the leader. The leader is going to produce a transaction, which is a, a state update. It's going to propose that to uh, the followers the followers are going to persist that on disk. They are going to acknowledge the, the leader, and then the leader is ready to commit. Followers are different from observers. So observers do not vote in that process I, I just mentioned. Observers, they just learn the state changes, right? The, the state changes that have been committed. And by doing that, we, the main thing we achieve is that we can increase read capacity without actually increasing the work the servers have to do for uh, for a given state change. What else can I say? So going back to, to the leader proposing a state change, when he receives a response from a majority, then he's ready to uh, to respond to the clients. And at that point, the client receives, yeah, he receives a response back and that's more or less how the flow works of, uh, of requesting Zookeeper. Okay, yeah, sure, so that makes sense. So is there a specific algorithm that the consensus protocol for Zookeeper is based on? Like, is it is it sort of like a Paxos type of consensus or is it maybe like based on Raft or is there not a close relationship between the way that Zookeeper maintains consensus and the way that these things are outlined in academic papers? Right, so the, the 
protocol we use is called ZAB, which stands for Zookeeper Atomic Broadcast. It has elements that, are, that differ from, from Paxos, although you can go through this exercise of mapping Paxos somehow to, a, to ZAB. But uh, by reading the two papers, you, you notice that, uh, that there are differences. And the difference is mainly because of the way we have structured the, the, the components of the service leaders and, and, and followers by propagating the state updates and having this dependence between the, the, the sequence of uh, between um, state changes in the same in the same sequence, which sort of forces us to uh, to stop the, the consensus protocol during a, um, a leader change so that we could guarantee that the consistency of uh, the service. So it's it is a protocol. That uh, that's, again, is, that's called Zab. It's uh, it has many elements in common with with Raft. Uh, Raft actually came a few years later, and and yeah, and yeah, that's the protocol we used. But again, both Raft and Zab have elements of uh, of earlier protocols like Paxos. I'm sorry, could you repeat again with the differentiating requirement that incentivized you to make your own protocol? We have this need of uh, when we do a leader change. We need to have agreement on the initial state of the new epoch. Okay, so the protocol is structured in epochs, right? So you have a leader. A leader comes, uh, proposes a bunch of things, a bunch of state changes. Those are committed, and at some point, that leader goes away. He crashed, or he got suspected of crashing, and then a new leader comes. So when that new leader comes, before he can start proposing new state changes, he needs to agree with the other with the other servers. Uh, what the initial state of the new epoch is, and so that required us uh, to come up with with a different with a different protocol. Okay, yeah, I understand. So, I know that implementing anything in a distributed system is can be hard, or implementing a distributed system can be hard specifically. So, how did you perform validation and testing on Zookeeper? And how did you achieve a level of confidence in the correct behavior? Because, you know, anytime you're trying to implement a distributed feature of something, if you want to test it, there's always sort of the question of, if I test this on three servers, is that equivalent to how it operates on five servers? Is that equivalent to operate to how it operates on 10 servers? And so on. So how did you do this validation and testing? It's a combination of, of reasoning and, uh, and, and writing real tests. So we did a lot of reasoning about uh, not only the code, but, but the protocols behind it. And we have a lot of tests. So in Apache in general, we, well, I won't generalize to Apache, but in Zookeeper, we use, uh, we use extensively JUnit tests to test uh, cases that are, could be problematic or that have been problematic in the past. And then in time, a, a, a change goes in, it's checked in, uh, we have to run those tests to make sure that it's not, you know, that it's not violating or it's not breaking anything that are, that's already in there. And there is also the test of time, right? It has been, you know, has been running production in a number of places for a long time. It's, this is not to say that there is, there is no bug, right? Or there, there has never been bugs, quite the other way around. We always find small things that, uh, that uh, we can fix. And that's part of the work of the community, fix this, uh, this, this bugs that we find every now and then. But in general, I would say that uh, the customers of Zookeeper are really happy with it. Over the years, we have heard lots of good comments about the stability of Zookeeper and how well it runs and, and so on. Are there any 
known edge cases that result in failure? Edge cases that result in failure. So could you be a bit, a bit more specific about failure? I guess I was unspecific uh, on purpose because I, I wanted to see if that uh, evoked any, any, is there anything that, you know, happens uh, frequently, maybe because it could be just because people t- tend to implement something in an erroneous way and it leads to a vulnerability at an edge case, or maybe it's it's something that is uh, inherent in Zookeeper that that leads to an edge case. I'm just curious as to what or you know how you would define failures and and the edge cases that would result in those. Right. Well, I, I guess I can see failures then in, in two ways. One is, for example, if we ignore the notifications that uh, Zookeeper sends up to the application. Right. So one example is if you're implementing mass selection, well, let, let me actually step back and talk about sessions a bit. So when a client starts talking to an ensemble, he has to establish a session, right? A session can live through multiple connections. So initially, the client connects to a server, but later on, that client may move that session to a different server, right? Connects, uh, disconnects from the first server, connects to a new server, uh, but the session is still is still the same. If you're implementing mass selection, what we strongly recommend is that uh, if you disconnect from a server, right, and you receive uh, that notification from uh, from the client library, the master should stop doing any kind of master work because at that point, it doesn't know what, what the state of the cluster is. It might be the case that its session has expired, right, or it's going to expire soon. And in that case, uh, it could be, con- you know, its, its decisions or its steps might be conflicting with the with the steps of uh, of the new master, right? And this is something that uh, that is problematic. So, the bottom line is uh, ignoring look, ignoring the, the notifications that the client library sends up uh, is a bad idea, and doing that could lead to uh, to say bad cases in in your application. There are failures on on say the operational side of Zookeeper. So Zookeeper today is, is sensitive to, uh, to losing disk state. It heavily depends on servers not losing disk state to guarantee the consistency of, uh, of, of the data. This is not to say that there is no way around it. So if a server loses its, its disk state, then you need to remove that server from the ensemble and reinsert it to guarantee that, uh, that there is no consistency, uh, consistency problem. This is, this is a, an argument, a sort of a deeper argument into, into the protocol but at a high level, this is uh, this is uh, this is what happens. And so, if if I'm a user that's implemented my Zookeeper system, do people typically do fuzz testing, or you know, like is there is there a barrage of random and unusual events that you can just impose on the system as a means of testing it? So, as I mentioned, we run JUnit tests. Right, and, and that uh, we are continuously running it, and every time we check in that, we, we also need to run it before it's checked in. Uh, users of Zookeeper tend to have their own set, especially the, 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 big, the big customers of Zookeeper, they tend to have their own set of tests. At some point, we talked about fault injection. This is not present in, in Zookeeper today. So I think the short answer to your question is that uh, we, we don't have anything like, like you're suggesting although uh, we have various test cases and test suits that, uh, that the various customers run on Zookeeper distributions. Okay. I want to talk about the CAP theorem. What is your definition of CAP 
And do you actually find it useful? Do you follow it as a design principle? And could you elaborate on consistency, availability, and partition tolerance? Right. So the cap work is is a bit, a bit old by now. And in the past few years, a few people have actually criticized it, but trying to uncover some of the dangers of using the, the cap definitions loosely. On my ends, outside the cap has always confused me a bit, mainly because it defines terminology in a way that is very different from the way I typically use. So if I think about, if I think about Zookeeper, um, I would actually say that it's, it's consistent, it's available, and it's partition tolerant. It's consistent because it relies on this atomic broadcast primitive, which makes sure that uh, you know the state updates are totally ordered and delivered in order to, to do server replicas. It's available because a single crash or a minority of the server replicas being unavailable is not going to cause the whole system to be to be unavailable. So availability is is about the the total amount of time that the service as a whole is up. And finally, it's partition tolerant because it does not admit split brain. So split brain is a situation in which two or more parts of the system end up making progress independently, which causes the, the state in which one of those parts to diverge uh, when, when compared to the others, which is clearly bad, uh, at least in the case of, of Zookeeper. Now, if Going back to the cap, to the to the cap work, cap uh, as many people expose is essentially says that we have these three properties, and when we're building a distributed system, uh, we need we, we pick two, so CP, CA, or AP. I would say that CA doesn't make a lot of sense because CA essentially assumes that uh, that partitions do not occur. Well. I'm not sure how one can control whether partitions occur or not. I think the best one could do is to um, is to assume that that partitions won't occur in the case they occur. You just suffer the consequences. But but, but I'm not sure how much one one has to gain by by just doing this. Um, it doesn't sound like a great way of uh, thinking about systems. Does Zookeeper fall cleanly into any of the models provided by Cap CP? CA or AP? Being strict about the cap definitions, Zookeeper is really none of those. So the workload isn't necessarily linearizable because the, the, the regular reads or the basic reads we have, they do not make the workload really linearizable, so it's not consistent. And it doesn't accept split brain. It doesn't admit split brain, so it's not available either. But Quorum-based systems, replicated state machines, which is which Zookeeper is an instance of, typically fall into the category of uh, of CP consistent partition tolerance. So that's really the closest, the closest to Zookeeper. How useful is CAP when it comes to trying to reason about systems? One of the great benefits of CAP is that it provides a common terminology for people to talk about their systems. Um, but I really think that is great on just start conversations. You know, so are you a CP person or a UAP person? But thinking deeply about systems and its relation to CAP seems a bit pointless to me. Now, 
I think the cap work is very relevant. So if you read the the, the cap proof, the cap theorem proof, uh, it's very interesting. It provides it provides a lot of insight, but it's a really narrow result. Although people keep um, you know keep using it in a, in a fairly broad manner. Just to give an example, so if I think if I think about consistency, uh, and if I pick the definitions in the in the distributed systems by Andy Tannenbaum, so over there there are there are over ten definitions of uh, of consistency. And so narrowing it down to just linearizability doesn't sound very wise to me. Although granted that linearizability is a is a very important property for uh, for many of the systems that we build and use. Would it make sense to extend the cap theorem to? try to define more finer-grained classifications for systems? Because these three dimensions, C, A, and P, consistency, availability, and partition tolerance, they don't seem to capture the richness of systems these days. I mean, maybe they, they, do, they do provide a framework in which you can write a proof, but maybe it, that's not as useful as having a more rich terminology. Yeah, as I said, I think... One of the interesting and nice things of the cap work is that it has it has achieved to create a, a common simple terminology that uh, developers of distributed data systems have have been used have been using to discuss uh, discuss our projects. I don't think everyone doing distributed systems fully understands the implications of the cap definitions, though. And so, if we are to come up with something different. Um, I think this this new thing should have uh, it should make a bit a bit more clear what what consistency availability and partition tolerance or whatever other terms we come up with are, so that so that uh, developers or disability systems builders do not end up using these terms loosely and misinterpreting what's actually going on um, just by using by using terminology loosely. But at the same time, as I mentioned, I I, I don't think such a, such a small terminology, small narrow terminology, uh, or such a concise model is great for something else other than just starting a conversation. I really think that when we talk about systems, there are just so many subtleties and nuances to the things we do that you need you need to go deeper to understand. What uh, what needs to be done? What kind of properties you're looking at, you're looking for, and so on. Uh, as I was making this reference to uh, to consistency properties, there are many consistency properties one could think of when when implementing a system. And so, just thinking about one or maybe two, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound great. So, so a terminology that allows us to uh, to to convey uh, in a concise manner. But in a precise manner as well, what we're trying to do in a project, that wouldn't be a, a bad idea. But again, keeping in mind that, uh, that uh, down the road, we need to talk in more detail about things so that we can, uh, we can think more deeply about what we're trying to achieve. So how does, how does Zookeeper guarantee that clients will never detect old data? Zookeeper actually... Doesn't make that promise. What Zookeeper tries to do is actually to avoid discussions about time altogether. So the replicas guarantee that state changes come in the same order. Also, it guarantees that replicas receive the state changes in the same order. 
but it doesn't really guarantee that a client is, is going to read some older data, right? So it could happen in, in a system that, uh, you know, that at some point in time, two clients read different values for the same Z node. But over time, right, the client that, that, that read the, 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 the older data eventually will be able to see that, uh, that state update, right, the newer version of, uh, of the data. So Zookeeper guarantees the order of updates but not uh, when they're going to happen. Right. And so Zookeeper keeps watch over something that sort of looks like a file system um, in, in some sense. And I'm curious, are, are the observers costly? Like, or is the, the notion of, being, of, of observing this file system, is it costly? Like, are you, are you just constantly polling and uh, spending energy? And this question may uh, lend itself to, you know, maybe I have a still have kind of a loose understanding of how Zookeeper works, but maybe you could uh, address that question. Sure. So when a client sets a watch on, on a Z node, right, say, I want to receive a notification when something happens to this, to this Z node. And so that request goes to Zookeeper and, and to the servers, and the server that receives that request annotates uh, that particular path for that watch. And so when he receives the update, it triggers the, the notification to the client. So the client has to do no work on that watch, right, while it's connected to, a, to, to that server. And, and when the state change, uh, state change comes in, it, the server will produce a notification and, and ship it to the, to the client. The burden is, is, is uh, mostly on the, on, on, the server, on the server side. Okay. How horizontally scalable is Zookeeper? If I'm growing, how how rapidly can I can I just like can I just like throw new servers on on Zookeeper and uh, you know say hey rebalance this or or is is it more of a complicated uh, difficult process? If you're trying to scale rights or the amount of state of of a Zookeeper ensemble, then we don't have any good mechanisms for doing this today. The what you can scale uh, horizontally scale in Zookeeper today is uh, read capacity. Right. As I was mentioning, you can throw in more, uh, more observers uh, or just increase the number of followers, and, the, and that will increase the, your, your, uh, uh, your ability of doing reads. Right? You can do more reads per, per second. Okay, makes sense. So uh, I guess we can start to close off. I'm curious about where Zookeeper is going. So, so like, um, what, like, what is the future? Are there, are there features that need to be implemented? Are there... Uh, changes that need to be made or that are going to be made, new features being added? The, the main feature we have been working on uh, recently is, is reconfiguration. This is, uh, it has been made recently available in the uh, 3.5 branch, which was released uh, uh, in August, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But, that's, but that branch is not stable yet, and so the community has been focusing uh, a lot on that, uh, on that feature. Okay. Uh, for somebody that's that's getting started on Zookeeper, uh, what what would you say are are the best resources to to consider? I, I know you've mentioned the recipes several times, and certainly you know we'll we'll link to some of those uh, and and how to pursue them. But what what are some what are some other resources that people should look at, and ma and maybe other other projects that people should look at? Right. So the Apache Curator project is 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 definitely a very good source of a. Uh, not only information, but you can actually use the recipes that they 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 have implemented. So Apache Curator uh, 
the proposal of, of, of Curator is to implement the best practices known of a, for Zookeeper. And so you can learn, learn a lot by just looking at the recipes and, and you can even be a bit lazy and just, <laughs> and just use them directly. And so it's, it's definitely a good, uh, a, a good source of, uh, of recipes, right? And, and knowledge about, about how to program against Zookeeper. Great. And, and how can people find out more about you or, or follow you on social media? Oh, yeah. So I have a Twitter account. It's FP Junqueira. So that's, that's my hand on, on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you search me for my name, you'll probably find it. And so that, those are, are good, uh, a good ways of, uh, of following me. And I also uh, strongly encourage the ones interested in, in, in Zookeeper or learning about Zookeeper or contributing to Zookeeper to sign up for, uh, for the list, for the dev list and the user list. Uh, we're always interested in you know, onboarding and new contributors, new committers, and growing the community. So you know, I would be happy to see more people signing up All right. and talking to us you know, in Apache. Okay, well, that's great. Flavio, I want to thank you for coming on Software Engineering Radio. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to SE Radio, an educational program brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine. For more information about the podcast, including other episodes, visit our website at se-radio.net. To provide feedback, you can write comments on each episode on the website or write a review on iTunes. Mention or message us on Twitter, at SE Radio, or search for the Software Engineering Radio Group on LinkedIn, Google+, or Facebook. You can also email us at team at se-radio.net. This and all other episodes of SE Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons 2.5 license. Thanks again for your support. Thank you.